so nice. You guys all just went quiet and everything. It's almost like you know how to behave in church. It's beautiful. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all. It's great to see the sunshine today, isn't it? Yeah, it really perks up the spirits. Let's open our service in a time of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your blessings to us. We thank you for the sunshine today. We thank you for the sunshine of the presence of being together to worship as a family of faith. May your spirit be poured out amongst us today. Guide us as we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. morning. The call to worship this morning is a responsive reading from 1 Peter 1, verses 18 to 21. The congregation will read the part in yellow. It was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. He was chosen before the creation of the world but was revealed in these last times for your sake. First hymn this morning is number 401 in your hymnals. The church, church is one foundation. Please stand and sing.
I want to start our announcements today with a great big thank you from Beth and myself for your very thoughtful and generous gift to us for Christmas. Uh, we really appreciate uh, the, the incredible generosity, the, the love that we feel from this church, and uh, we are very grateful. And so the, uh, the quilt has been spread out on the waterbed and looks great there, and so we're uh, enjoying that. I don't know if it was supposed to be hung on the wall, but if so, too bad. Um, so it looks great there. But thank you again from all of us. Our birthdays and anniversaries. Uh, today we are celebrating Joan Doreen's birthday. Happy birthday to you. Uh, this week is Betty Sandham's birthday on the 17th as well. Happy birthday, Betty. And then our son Will on the 19th. It's his birthday as well. And so uh, we wish them all the best. Our Bible study continues this week on Thursday morning at 10 o'clock as we continue in our series on the Sermon on the Mount. And if you have never come out before and would like to join us, you are more than welcome. We'd love to have you. This morning we were carrying on with our study on Philippians, and Sunday mornings at 9.15 is our time where we're studying the book of Philippians. Again, feel free to join us if you've never been before. We'd love to have you. Not saying that we don't enjoy the people we already have. We certainly do. So <laughs> don't feel that way if you're wondering. Our meetings that are coming up, as you can see, that uh, they're in the bulletin. They're also on the screen here for us. Um, that we have a board meeting coming up this Thursday at 7 p.m. And then a congregation and business meeting on January 29th. And that will be, will be after the church service. Are there any other announcements that need to be brought to our attention? Carolyn. Thank you, Carolyn. And if you didn't hear uh, what Carolyn was saying, she has tax receipts for you, and um, she, uh, we thank you for your diligent work and getting into that already, and so we really appreciate that. And also that her brother, Michael Antoinette, that we've been praying for, his time has been shortened. And that's obviously pretty heavy for Carolyn. Any other announcements that need to be shared with us today? And let us uh, remember that the scriptures tell us that God loves a cheerful giver. And so part of our worship is through the giving of our tithes and offerings. And we can do that either through the plates at the back of the church or online through our email uh, via e-transfer. And so uh, whether you are in person or whether you are watching online, uh, if you would like to give to support the ongoing work of building the kingdom of God, we would be grateful for your tithes and offerings as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we have the privilege, the calling, and the honor of serving you, of worshiping you through the giving of our tithes and offerings. And although we don't do it like we used to with passing a plate, this is still a calling that you have placed on each one of us. And so may we give generously, not out of a sense of duty or compulsion, but out of a sense of joy and love for you. And we do bless all of these offerings, Father. May they build your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.
Our next hymn we're going to sing together is number 592, Jesus Calls Us. Please stand if you're able. As we continue to be praying for our friends, our family, our loved ones, uh, we have another name that is up on our list for today, and that's Joan Moody, that's Brenda's mom. She fell and broke her hip, and um, today she had surgery, and they put a, a rod and some screws in there, and so uh, we will be praying for her recovery. She's in Woodstock Hospital. As we continue to pray for Maddie, uh, we, I was uh, grateful to hear that Kathy was telling me that uh, she has been reunited with her therapy horse that she hasn't been on in a while, and Kathy sent me a picture, but I didn't have time to get it posted today, but uh, would love to do that for you as well. Are there any other updates for people that we've been praying for, or are there any praise items that you'd like to share today? Larry. Wow, that's quite an adventure. So yeah, if you didn't hear, 
or don't remember, uh, Larry's cousin Kevin, uh, we've been, we were praying for him because he was over in Cuba and had an accident on a moped or a motorbike and, uh, and, and smashed up his ankles quite badly. And so uh, he had surgery to have all that repaired and was coming along, but then uh, was recommended to go to Bangkok. And that, uh, I don't know if you've heard about flights these days, but uh, they don't always go according to plan. So being stuck in India for a couple of days and then getting there to Bangkok only to find out that uh, it's just not doable for him there. Uh, they're recommending removing all of the metal in there. And so that would be a massive job, a six-month recovery time that um, he just can't afford, so he'll be coming home. So we will pray for his safe return home and that uh, he'll be able to get the healing that he needs. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Teresa. Yeah, the, the, the difficulty in telling the pastor something on Sunday morning just before the service is whether he'll actually remember any of it. Um, but yes, uh, Fred and Teresa, they've been praying for a solution there for uh, their family that needed a place to stay, and it's all worked out. God has provided over and above, uh, beyond anything we could imagine. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Sandra. I have for me, anyway. Excellent. Very nice. Great. Well, it will be good for you to have those girls here for sure. Yes. Joan, did you have something as well? Yeah. Awesome. Beautiful. Yeah, and we're thankful for you as well. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Carolyn. So Joel Prosa, we've been praying for. Uh, Carolyn got a chance to to see him and tell him that we're praying for him. And he had a smile on his face. Awesome. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you today and uh, we, we lift up all of these things that have been mentioned to you. Father, we are thankful for answered prayer and for Carolyn's opportunity to connect with Joel and for uh, Joan's uh, gratitude and thankfulness. Father, for Sandra's uh, opportunity to have her daughter and granddaughter come back at Easter. Father, we lift up Kevin to you as he works his way back to Canada, Larry's cousin, and we ask for, uh, for that you would bring healing to him. I know this must be a disappointment for him, that you would carry his heart in the middle of it all. Father, uh, we thank you that Joan's surgery was successful today. We lift her up in this time of healing and pray that you would speed her healing, that she may be able to come home soon. Father, we continue to pray for everybody else that we have on our list, those who are battling cancer, those who are going through difficult times, emotionally, with mental health challenges, 
spiritually, physically. Father, we lift up Carolyn and at this time too because of just carrying the weight of her brother's news. Father, we pray for Michael at this time. That you would be with him, that he would know your presence, that he would fully trust in you for the days to come and for salvation. Father, we lift up our unsaved family and friends. We pray that you would open the doors of their hearts, that they would put their trust in you. We pray for a world that at times seems so lost, that they would come to know that Jesus is the answer. Help us to be your hands, your feet. Help us to be your voice. Father, care for these people, we pray. Care for our sister churches on this day. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. There is one other item that I forgot to mention, and that is this week um, I got received a call from the pastor of Ossington Baptist Church downtown Toronto. And as we are praying for New Canadian Baptist Church in Montreal, their church they have been given this year is little old Goshen Baptist Church. And so she was kind enough to look us up and she to let us know that they will be praying for us every Wednesday. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So that's some good news. Let us once again sing our praises to God as we commit ourselves to him by singing the song, I Surrender All, number 596. Please stand.
Scripture reading this morning is Matthew 16, verses 13 to 26. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gate of, gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Thank you, Scott. Well, this is the second week of our series, In the Flesh. And today I want to talk about what are you saying? I mean, I'm sure as we listen to Scott read that passage, there, there's got to be times where you've kind of wondered, for the different people that are speaking, what are you saying? But let's take a step backwards again and remember the purpose of this series. It's a reminder that Jesus was God in the flesh. As we looked at the passage last week from John 1.1, where John the disciple declared that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then later in verse 14, he said, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And of course, that's what we remembered at Christmas time, right? That Jesus came as this person that God in the flesh had this little baby and then he grew up and became a man, showed us how to live, and then he gave his life for each one of us. Jesus came as God in the flesh. Well, today's story takes place in the region of Caesarea Philippi. Matthew writes that down for us. Um, today they refer to this place as Banias, I think they call it that, uh, which comes from Panias, which is the name Pan, maybe you've heard of the god of Pan, the god Pan. He's a little dude with the flute 
and uh, he's half man, half goat. He kind of dances around. He's kind of weird, but anyways. Um, so this is a picture of the place where this conversation may have taken place, where, where they feel that it may have taken place. Uh, Duff and I had the privilege of going there when we went to Israel. And uh, it's kind of cool. As you can see, there's a bunch of rock there. And this, all this rock is actually the foundation for, as you can see, there's a little um, word that's gone out of my head. Yeah, one of those pillars. That's it. Thank you. Um, a pillar from a temple. This is a place of worship. And this is a place of worship that went back for thousands of years. If you've read the Old Testament, you may have heard of the god Baal. And Baal was apparently worshipped in this area. And Pan was worshipped in this area. Into the wall, they carved these niches, uh, very ornately carved. And they would set up little statues of their false gods in that area. And it makes me wonder, as people were honored in strange ways, as they, they had these false gods all around them, if this indeed was the conversation, as they're wondering who these gods are, false gods, that maybe that was the thing that inspired the question, who do people say the Son of Man is? We know who people say that these things are. Who do people say that I am? And so they said, well, some say that you're John the Baptist. We remember that John the Baptist was beheaded by Herod. Maybe this is actually, maybe it's actually John the Baptist. As they hear about the things that Jesus does, he sounds like a powerful prophet. Maybe it's John the Baptist. Or maybe it's Elijah. You know, it's it said that in the Old Testament that Elijah would return one day. Maybe some of them think that maybe you're Elijah. Some of them think that you're maybe Jeremiah, who was the weeping prophet, the one who lamented about the state that Jerusalem was in at the time. Or one of the prophets, one of these powerful prophets, that's who people are saying that maybe you are might seem kind of strange that they would think of all of these different people. And then Jesus asked, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter responded, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God? Now, those are good religious words, right? Messiah, not a word we use in everyday language. Uh, the son of the living God, maybe we don't necessarily know. What does that actually mean? What are you saying? When Peter said that, what is he saying in that moment? Well, the Messiah, another term we have in scriptures that's interchangeable is the word Christ. And it means the anointed one, that God has chosen this person for a purpose. But he also said the son of the living God. And when Peter was saying that, he was saying that Jesus is divine and that he, Jesus, is God in the flesh. You know, in that area, there were all of these false dead statues. Here is God in the flesh. The son of the living God, the real God, the alive God, not these dead statues. And so Jesus' response to him was pretty neat. It's pretty cool. This wasn't something that Peter came up with on his own. 
even if he thought he did, Jesus let him know that this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. This is not something that you've just heard, but by my Father in heaven. God had revealed this to Peter's heart. God had told him in the Spirit. And that Peter's response was that of somebody who was in the Spirit in that moment. And out of that, Jesus said, And on this rock I will build my church, which is a pretty famous expression, I think, in the Bible, a familiar passage. Campanida's little tagline is, On this rock. And it comes from this scripture. On this rock, I will build my church. And the theologians have had a heyday with this one. They have all sorts of idea of what this might mean. People say, what are you saying on this rock? What are you talking about? Because it could mean a few different things to them. So this rock could mean the person. It could mean a proclamation. It could mean the place. Or it could mean Peter. Let's unpack that for a moment. So, first of all, a person uh, on this rock. You know, if you're part of our modern culture today and you follow movies, you might be thinking on this rock. But no, this, this is the rock, Dwayne Johnson. Uh, this is not the rock we're talking about. But theologians have said that maybe Jesus in that moment was saying, and on this rock, on who I am, the rock of Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ. Is it possible that that's what Jesus meant? Our second one is about the proclamation. And you might be wondering, what on earth is Pastor Carl talking about now? Let me unpack it for you. So, Peter made a proclamation. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And we know that when Jesus said, Blessed are you, son of Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood and so on, that this goes back to the proclamation that Peter made, right? You were the Messiah. That's what the this is talking about. Welcome to English class. Hope you're enjoying yourself. Um, and so, some people say then this rock ties back to the other this, which goes back to the proclamation. So the rock that the church is going to be built on is the foundational truth that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Maybe it was the proclamation. Well, what about the place? You've seen the pictures, right? There's rock everywhere. On this rock, I will build my church. There's a temple here now. We're going to see it all change. It's going to be a place of worship. There's another place called the uh, place of the... Oh, gosh. It's gone right out of my head. Anyways, where Peter made a statement that they say over in Nazareth, there's other people that thought, no, that wasn't where it really happened. It happened over in Nazareth. And so there's the rock. On this rock, Mensa Christi is what it says there. That's the place of the primacy of Peter. That's what it's called, the church of the primacy of Peter. And so they're saying, on this rock, we got to go there too. It's really cool. It has black basalt stone walls. I don't know if you noticed all that lovely black stone. Really cool spot. You should go. Um, on this rock. Is that what Jesus meant? It's just on this place. What does it just mean, Peter? Because here's the funny thing. Peter means rock. <laughs> it's as if Jesus said, you are rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. 
Now, I think if we stopped and thought about it, there are reasons, good reasons, why all of those may have some value to what was the foundation of the church, the truth of Christ, of who he was. Obviously, the church's foundation is Jesus Christ. The truth that he is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, is foundational to the church. But I think we've overthought this just a tad, just a wee bit. Because if we look at Peter and the church, he was a leader. Right from Acts 1, we see this. You know, they, Peter was the one to suggest that they have somebody else to replace Judas in their group of 12. And then as a preacher in Acts 2, after Jesus ascended back to heaven, he's the one who's preaching to the crowds, and 3,000 people were added to the church that day. Pretty cool. Jesus said something interesting, too. He said that, I tell you that the gates of Hades will not overcome him. In that same area, just off to the left-hand side, there's this kind of deep cavern pool of water. And they thought of it as the gates of Hades, the gates of hell. You know, they would actually sacrifice into that pool, and at one time, the water level was different, and it would flow out of that. The gates of hell will not overcome this. Interesting. I wouldn't worry really about so much where Jesus said it. I don't think that's even the point. But I thought I would share with you that little bit of information that you may now take and just dump if you want. It's okay. It doesn't matter where he said it. So Jesus then, oh, excuse me, Jesus then starts to talk about everything that he was going to be facing. He talks about the fact that he's going to suffer at the hands of the religious leaders, that he's going to be crucified. He also does mention that he's going to rise up three days later. But Peter freaks out. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Modern language freaks out. Yeah, that's, you can use that word. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. What are you saying, Peter? Why are you saying it? What is the motivation? And he's saying to Jesus, why are you saying this? What are you saying? Jesus, uh, Peter had the incredible audacity to pull his leader, his mentor, his rabbi, to pull Jesus aside and rebuke him. Of course, we know that Peter didn't always think before he acted, did he? Which is why I like him. I can relate to him, unfortunately. But in this case, the approval that he had received from Jesus suddenly turned to arrogance. That he could decide what was going to happen, what didn't. It's a very human characteristic. It's easy for me to get approval and suddenly think that I know it all. Maybe that's what happened to Peter. On that day, he went from responding in the spirit to responding in the flesh. And Jesus' response to him was shocking. He said, Get behind me, Satan. Well, hang on a sec. Hadn't he just given Peter this, this lovely affirmation of the information that he had? He was told, This is given to you by God. And Peter's like, Yes. And then the next moment, Jesus is saying that he's Satan? What's going on with that? He says, you are a stumbling block to me. 
Think about the exchange that Jesus had with Satan out in the wilderness. Jesus here saying, you're a stumbling block to me. Temptation means nothing if you aren't actually tempted by it. If you hated chocolate, first of all, I'm praying for you. Um, (laughs) But secondarily, if you hated chocolate and somebody put a beautiful chocolate bar just sitting out and said, free to whoever, you wouldn't be tempted to take it. It's kind of like me if you put out Brussels sprouts, you know. I'll pass. I'm okay. Satan knew what he was doing. When he tempted Jesus Christ, he tempted him with things that were real. He was hungry, hadn't eaten in 40 days. I like how it says he was hungry. I'd be like, Jesus was famished, starving. Any other word, hungry. Tell these rocks to become bread. Jesus said no. Responded with scripture, background. Jesus was tempted to show power as the Son of God. Jesus was tempted to shortcut the cross by simply worshiping Satan. All of these had to be real temptations. And here once more, Jesus hears the words of Satan coming from one of his beloved disciples. You don't need to do that. You don't need to face that. This will never happen to you. Look what you just did. You fed thousands of people. You've healed people. We can win. We're on the winning team. We don't have to face any of that garbage from those people. Lord, this will never happen to you. You're too powerful. You're too great. And I'm your best buddy, right? (laughs) Get behind me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. That's a nice modernized version. We know the older version, but the things of man, right? As people, we want military victory. We want to be conquerors. We want to be successful. We don't want to have to face all of the challenges. We want the crown. We want the crown. We don't want the cross. See, it's man's desire to want the crown, but it was God's plan for Jesus to face the cross. And not just for Jesus either. Because then Jesus went on to say that whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. This is not a, like you should or that, you know, here's a general guideline. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Must do this. He said, deny themselves. That doesn't sound like getting the crown, does it? Deny themselves. Take up their cross. They were forced to carry their own cross when they were crucified. And it only led to one place. Death. And follow me. Where was Jesus going? You know, we may not have to face a real cross. Some of the disciples did. But we will have to face difficulty, hardship, 
To this day, people face death for the sake of Christ. Follow him. Why would you say this? What are you saying? And what Jesus is saying is that there's a cross before the crown for all of us. And the good news is that there's not just a cross for you and for me. There's also a crown. As Paul wrote to his protege, Timothy, there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And he goes on to say, not just for him, but for all who trust in him. It's a crown for you, for me, for the faithful. But first there was his cross. And he had been through a lot. As he wrote these words, he said, I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is near. He had faced his cross in a lot of ways, but not completely. His death was imminent. There was a cross. Sucks, doesn't it? Who wants to face a cross? When we think about being in the flesh, when we respond in the flesh, we want comfort, we want ease, we want the nice path, especially as good old Westerners, right? We've, we've had all of these good things. And that's all we want for the rest of our lives, comfort and ease. In the flesh, we want our way, kind of like Peter did. We want victory in the here and the now. Military. We want our way. In the flesh, we want our glory. We want the crown now. But God has called us to a cross. And in the Spirit, when we are living in the Spirit, when we're responding in the Spirit, we want obedience and service. This is the life that Jesus lived. It gave him pleasure to do what his Father called him to do. In the Spirit, we want God's way. Not our way. As we talked about in Sunday school this morning, you know, Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my way, right? This wasn't Jesus' choice. But your will be done. In the Spirit, we want God's glory, not ours. So there is a cross for us. If we're to follow Jesus Christ, let's turn to our Bibles and take a look at what else Jesus has to say. Matthew 16. We're going to look at verses 25 to 28. So I want you to remember that there is good as well. The cross is difficult, but here's what Jesus says. Matthew 16, starting at verse 25. He says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Whoever loses their life for me will find it. If you give up your own ambitions, you will find a life that is beyond anything you could ask or imagine. What good is it, excuse me, what good will it be for someone to gain their, the whole world yet forfeit their soul 
Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? But here's the good stuff. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. And then he will reward each person according to what they have done. There will be a crown after the cross. And he finishes by saying, Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Paul wrote, There is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And to you. And to you. And to you. And to you. There is a crown after the cross. But what about you? How are you responding to Jesus today? Are you responding to him in the flesh or in the spirit? Someone was to ask you, who is he to you? What do you say? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we recognize that we speak not just through our words, but through our actions. May your spirit fill each one of us. May we joyfully accept the cross, knowing that there is in store for us a crown of righteousness. May we do it for your glory. May we not live and respond in the flesh, but may we respond in the spirit. In your precious name we pray. Amen. The final song that we're going to sing together today is number 590, I'll Live for Him. It may not be one that you're familiar with, so Evelyn's going to play through it for us once before we sing. Please stand.
beautiful little song, isn't it? So we have been called to live and respond in the spirit, not in the flesh. And we have been called to witness to who Jesus Christ is. When people ask or see in our lives the answer to that question, who is Jesus? Who do people say that I am? Then we need to know that the response is found in the way that we live and what we say about him. So go, in this, go from this time in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, being his witnesses. Amen.